You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 48 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and this episode is literally one of my favorite episodes. It was so much fun. We have the prince of Disney on Broadway, basically. I mean, he's been in like so many Disney on Broadway shows, so I, I think it's fair enough to give him that title. And he's played a prince in the majority of those shows. So we have an exciting episode this week with the prince himself adam jacobs and he comes on to talk about so many fun upcoming projects um that he's been working on during the pandemic and beforehand everything like that so i cannot wait to share this one with you guys but before that let's turn it over and let's talk about some broadway news oh my goodness so first of all i want to shout out them covenant is officially on amazon prime and the mighty ducks has been officially on disney plus this past episode of the mighty ducks was just amazing and everything that you wanted to happen happened because we discovered that we love a, a good show tune in the mighty ducks shockingly it's it's of course playing with my heartstrings some more and including show tunes with hockey and i could not be happier because previous guest luke islam sang and it was it was just incredible just the way that they like figured out a way to let him sing and do his thing it was awesome i was so happy the second he started like you could totally tell like that was the moment that he was going to sing. Like, you could totally tell that it was coming. And, like, then he, like, starts, and then you're like, yes! Like, this is everything you wanted. So it's so good. That's episode four. And then episode five comes out on tomorrow, on Friday. So, yeah, it, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. It, it took a second to pick up, but once it picked up, I think it's been uh, a really great show, and uh, it's got a fun storyline going. <laughs> the team name is so funny they're called the don't bothers and it's awesome it's a bunch of misfits and it's really cool to just see a bunch of like theater actors playing hockey it's awesome so it, it's really fun it's a lot of fun especially if you like broadway because they're doing a lot of a lot of fun stuff they have a lot of actors in it from theater and everything like that so go check it out uh them covenant and the mighty ducks fun stuff oh and by the way if you're listening to this like at midnight or like early thursday morning drop what you're doing and actually just keep listening to this and just start getting ready 
and uh, hop on a subway or a car, and you can finish with listening to the rest of the episode that way. Um, and go to Columbus Circle. Today at 1 p.m., March on Broadway is happening in Columbus Circle. And this was organized by really the Broadway community, the people, the performers in the industry who are demanding change surrounding all of the stories with Scott Rudin and the issue of transparency from the Actors Equity Association, which is the union that we're all under, and the overall lack of representation for the BIPOC, AAPI, trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming communities that have all come to light during the shutdown of uh, Broadway. So go check that out. There's going to be a bunch of Broadway performers there because we organized it. We're leading the way. And it's also open to the public. It's happening right in the heart of Columbus Circle. At 1 p.m. it starts. So if you can, if you're close to New York or whatever, and you're hearing this in time and you've seen posts on Instagram, I definitely encourage you to go to that tomorrow and go fight for what's right. And speaking of... uh, these whole all these stories surrounding Scott Rudin. Okay, so I mentioned last episode that I was going to keep you all updated on whenever we got more information and uh, what else would happen throughout this process. And of course, there was a lot. <laughs> so Scott Rudin finally took steps in the right direction, and he decided that he was going to step away from his Broadway productions. Now, step away is not what overall needs to happen, but it is a step in the right direction. And it wasn't uh, announced right then and there that he was also going to step away from the film industry and his projects going on in film and streaming platforms and stuff like that. But he it then came out a couple of days later saying he was going to just take a step away from the whole industry of the entertainment industry itself and, uh, you know, seek help and figure out... Um, and take the proper steps to hopefully get back on the right footing. So I'm not sure what him stepping away means for Karen Olivo. I mean, I mentioned last episode that she was like, you know, I'm not coming back to Moulin Rouge because it's not like I, I want a, I want an industry that cares more uh, about the people instead of the money that they're making and everything like that. Um, just an inclusive community, you know, and um, with him stepping away, I'm not sure how that influences her decision, but I, I, I will keep you updated if anything comes out about that. So with that being said, a lot of, you know, entertainment uh, lovers of like both the theater and film industry, they both actually called upon Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman and, you know, like the big names that were surrounding Scott Rudin and in his productions to speak out and address the situation. Um, and this weekend, of course, Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman both spoke out about the situation and saying, like, you know, it's unacceptable. We're trying to figure out a new team and we're doing we're taking the necessary steps. They apologized for not speaking out right away. They were just handling their situations off social media and privately. And now they're looking for a new team and figuring out what they're going to do as far as Music Man is concerned. Obviously, they will continue doing it as of right now. And uh, we'll see what happens with all of that. So that'll be very interesting. Also, theater performers and the theater workers were also calling out the Actors' Equity Association, which, of course, is the union that I've talked about here before. And it's the union that we are 
going to challenge tomorrow with the March on Broadway, the theater workers and the theater performers in our industry were calling out uh, actors' equity, and they were hoping that they would put Scott Rudin on the do not work list. Um, You know, the Actors' Equity Association has this list where basically it's a a list of people who you don't want to work with because of their behavior and their past and and everything like that. So theater workers and theater performers are aware of this, and they called on them to put him on that list, and they replied. And they said that they will not be doing that at this time. So that's partially what the um, March on Broadway marches for tomorrow at Columbus Circle, um, as well as many other topics that's been going on in theater that have needed marches for quite some time. Um, And hopefully that can actually impact some change because it's time for change. This is a great opportunity for Broadway to get back on track and be inclusive as possible and open better than it ever was before. So um, it's cool to see everyone, you know, coming together and trying to make Broadway better for when it does reopen. And with that being said, when Broadway does reopen, they're currently finding policies to figure out um, you know, the, just the situations of what, what, what it's going to be like when Broadway does reopen. And it seems like there's been a couple proposals that Broadway will reopen with less than eight shows a week. So definitely two shows a day, we're going to be like no-goes, you know? So I figured it would probably be around six. They would do one a day. They'd have time to clean it during the day and after the show and everything like that. But they're actually coming out and saying that their current talks are starting at four shows a week. So maybe like every other day, and that way they have time to just disinfect the whole theater and take the proper precautions that they need to prevent the spread of the COVID-19, of course. So that's currently what what it's at, and it, it seems like that's what it's going to be when it when it does reopen in September. But of course, as always, that can change these protocols and the schedule and everything like that has changed millions of times throughout this whole process. So I'm sure there will be a change and I'll update you, but that's the latest word on that. So it'll be interesting to to keep up with that. I don't know about you all, but I've had a really fun week. This week is um, the start of the one-year anniversary celebration of Take a Bow. We actually released our first episode not even knowing that we had released our first episode. And that's how new Sydney and I were to the podcast world that we are in now. And our first uh, ever episode came out on May 7th. So in two weeks, Thursday, May 6th, it'll be our 50th episode, but it will also be our one-year celebration. And I have to say, this week, I've been trying to find guests and doing all these things to just have an exciting, you know, one-year anniversary celebration. And boy, have we found an amazing and awesome and fun and uh, just great names. We have a great lineup coming at you these next couple weeks. I'm so excited to share them all with you. And we're going to kick it off today with Adam Jacobs. A little bit more about my week was I actually taught my first class this week. I just want to shout out to all the kids who um, either showed up in, in what took this class that I was involved in or uh, just everyone who's involved in the program in general. Um, and thank you if you're listening. We, I, we got to talk a little bit about the podcast there. And I taught like, you know, just singing. 
and it wasn't like singing like vocally it was more of the storytelling of the song and i i have to say it was just amazing it was it was the most fun i'd ever had i had learned more than probably i was teaching the other kids i had learned more and was able to take more away from them um and what i was kind of telling them by watching them and i I just have to say shout out to trent soyster for bringing me on to that it it was a blast and uh, who knows maybe uh, there'll be some more teaching opportunities for me and i'll keep you all updated if any of y'all want to take a class from me it's been a lot of fun and i definitely want to continue doing it so with that being said, we also have some exciting merch coming out for our one-year anniversary as well. So keep an eye out on our website and uh, follow along. At, that's at takeaboutpod.com. So this week's Drama Dictionary Word of the Week is going to be showmance. And honestly, I would not usually do this word, but this word is in honor of Adam Jacobs who is our lovely guest this week. And um, we talk about, in his new project that he's doing, one of his new projects is a docu-concert. So he's uh, he did a 54 Below concert about his life. And they filmed the concert, right? But they also uh, took him aside and was able to do some interviews with him. And it was kind of, it was just beautifully done. It was literally like a documentary about his life. And then, of course, like, in a concert way because he he sang a lot of songs relating to his life and his story um his journey to broadway his heritage and everything like that it was incredible but uh, a, a big theme in this behind the curtain which is what it's called and that's what he called his show as well the big theme in behind the curtain is showmance because that's how he met his wife um, so a showmance is if, if you haven't guessed by saying that's how he met his wife is a show romance and he explains it so beautifully. So a showman is, of course, when you're in the same show as the person that you either have a crush on, that you are dating, uh, that you're married to, whatever it may be, that you're in like a special relationship with someone that you're in a show with. And it's really interesting to, uh, I guess, kind of watch a showman because there are times where it's fantastic and everything is so beautiful and it's going right and you think that they're gonna last forever and then there are days where it is rough and like everyone in the cast is like "Uh uh-oh what is happening there's something going on there is some tension in the air and it is terrifying for everyone including the two who are involved in the showmans um, because it's, it's a real thing, you know, like working with someone that you like have a massive crush on or something like that. I was in a Christmas story. Uh, oh my God. Maybe I'll save this for the triple E segment. Uh, actually, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save a story about a showman's in for the triple e section okay so y'all have to stay after the interview to listen to my showman's story so with that being said uh we talk a little bit about it in the interview so i'll let him explain it a little more there or you can check out behind the curtain and you can learn a lot about a showman's and his in particular on itunes it's available for pre-order today and with that being said let's just turn it over to him adam jacobs Curtain up. 
week, we have the Prince of Disney on Broadway. He is an award-nominated actor who is most well-known for his performance of Aladdin in Aladdin. Uh, And now he's been working in the new facets of the industry, going into film and TV and everything like that. Um, And he's working on a lot of new projects, uh, including a produced docu-concert of his cabaret show, Behind the Curtain. So everyone, welcome to Take a Vow. Adam Jacobs. Hello, Eli and everybody. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited. Uh, I was able to watch your docu-concert, by the way. It's incredible, and I can't wait to get into all of that. But before we do, let's start at the beginning. How did you kind of get into theater? What inspired you to just be like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to be on a stage. Yeah, sure. Of course. Well, I started out, you know, seventh grade. I played Oliver in Oliver Twist. Yes. And and then in eighth grade, I played Curly in Oklahoma. Oh, my God. Yeah. So and even even before that, I was performing as like a pianist because my put me in piano really early on, like age five. And I was doing piano recitals. Um, taking class at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music and taking solfege and, you know, all that stuff and learning music. So that I really started with music and then kind of transitioned into theater really young, you know. Yeah. And then in high school is where I really kind of like cemented it for me in terms of wanting to pursue a career in the performing arts. So basically, like, as you did it, you kind of just continued to fall in love with it. And that's like, that's what you wanted to do yeah that's awesome yeah pretty much I also had like a really strong mentor in high school he was my English teacher and also my drama teacher and he cast me in all the roles um you know I played Che and Evita I played Billy Bigelow and Carousel yes and I was Mr. Drummond in Inherit the Wind (laughs) so like all these cool you know I had to age myself with gray stuff in my hair and (laughs) I played all these great roles and You know, he was like, just so you know, you have the potential to do this for a career if if that's something you want. And up until my junior, senior year, I wasn't particularly sure if that was going to be something I wanted to do. And he he kind of flipped the switch in my head and and it made me think about it seriously. And and sometimes it all it takes all it takes is just, you know, one person to do that. And for sure. After that, I I applied to NYU and got into the. Tisch School of the Arts and the rest is kind of history. That's awesome. So do you think like, you know, kind of being so musically inclined, just starting out with music and piano and everything like that, do you think that has like kind of influenced and like helped you as an actor and a performer in general? Well, for sure. uh, It's helped me with auditions, Okay. for example, because a lot of times you'll get material and you have to learn it in two or three days and then go in and perform. Right. And if you have a strong music background, you can kind of already know what the notes are and focus more on the storytelling and the acting. So that's an advantage for sure. when you have a limited, limited amount of time. And then in terms of just uh, approaching everything from a musical perspective, I think, you know, I'm drawn to types of shows and musicals that uh, that that have strong, you know, a score, you know, anything like uh, Sweeney Todd, you know, mm. by Sondheim or Light in the Piazza by Adam Gettle, like th- songs, shows that have such a kind of a classical base, like I, I'm always kind of drawn to those. And um, anyway, it's just my taste. And it's kind of direct, it's directed me a, a, a somewhat in my career, 
I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it, it definitely has played a role. Yeah, that's awesome. So then after, like, you know, you're you're doing piano recitals and everything like that, you go to NYU Tisch, and then you end up making your Broadway debut in Les Mis. So, yeah. like, first of all, I mean, it's one thing to make your Broadway debut, but also to, like, do it in such, like, a huge show that's so like classical theater so well known by everyone in Les Mis as a lead role like what was that like for you like how cool was that experience oh that was that was incredible I mean I I should say you know I played Marius on the road for about a year first so my big break really came in playing Marius uh out on the third national tour and then when the revival came up all of us in the cast had a chance to audition. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, uh, myself and my co-star, Ali Ewald, who played Cosette. Yes. The two of us, they, they kept us from the tour and brought us to the 2006 revival, um, which, you know, a lot, a lot of people didn't make it from the tour to the, to the show. Right. You know, being part of a non-traditional cast of um, Les Miserables, you know, we had Norm Lewis as Javert. We had uh, Fantine was um, Daphne Rubin Vega. So we had all these like amazing performers and it was my first time in a big Broadway show and I was learning so much just by watching how these people operate and how they rehearse and and create characters. And and I just remember that first opening night, how impactful it was to hear those first notes, bum, bum. (laughs) And you're backstage and I'm just like, my my whole being is just quivering oh. with excitement and um yeah that, i'll never forget that feeling that's awesome okay first of all i have to mention shout out to ali ewald we love her she's been on the podcast oh, i did yeah. secret garden with her she's the best <laughs> <laughs> i love her with kizik hands free shoes motion sounds something like this Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So obviously, you mentioned you did a lot of shows in California, Oliver, and everything like that. You went to NYU Tisch and everything, and you were doing shows as you before you made it to Broadway, of course. But what do you think was the biggest shock to you when you came to Broadway? Like, what was the biggest difference for you in your first show? Yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to think, like, what the big... Sh- if there was anything that shocked me, because I knew I knew it was like the big leagues, you know, you're here, mm-hmm. you're with the cream of the crop, you have musicians that have trained at Juilliard, you have all of these, you know, really professional stagehands and crew and stage managers. And, and it's like, sure. you know, it's, it's a machine, essentially. And you, right people who are like, really good at what they do, everybody, on, everybody on that team. Um, and I'm talking, you know, everybody from front of house to everybody, it's just a big production. And they're all 
professional and really great at what they do. So in that sense, I felt a lot of respect uh, and a lot of, I felt a, uh, very privileged to be in that company. It's like joining an, an elite, you know, club. <laughs> You're like, right. I've, I've broken in, right? I think what kind of surprised me was the fact that, you know, a lot of these they're just, they're, they're people. <laughs> they're, they're not God. Right. You know, they're not like these superstars that I had kind of built up in my mind. I think I, I came to realize that it's a community. Yeah. They support each other. They go and watch each other's cabarets and, and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and they all pitch in for the charities, Broadway cares, equity fights AIDS and, and doing exactly. benefits and events for that kind of thing. So it was really refreshing to see how much love and support was in that community. Yeah, that's so that's it's so true. And that's such a great answer. This is so interesting to me, because I didn't realize that you went on the lamest tour. And now because I know, like you did the Lion King and Aladdin tour. So like now yeah. I know that always like three of your Broadway shows, you also did the tour. That's so yeah. awesome to me. And <laughs> I, we'll definitely talk about that. But you have an interesting experience. Uh, in your experience in getting the role of Simba in The Lion King. I would love to talk to to you about that. I mean, for those listening, they'll get this reference, but it seems like this Lion King audition kind of is the adult version of the Matilda audition for the kids. Um, it's pretty what? grueling. <laughs> so so what? just to, yeah. So what was your uh, experience like? Yeah, I mean, it was this it was almost like a, uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey, right? It was this, mm. this epic journey for me yeah. to go from, from auditioning in college to over the course of like eight years of me auditioning for this part, you know, going in half a dozen times at least, and then to finally booking it uh, like eight years later out of college. Like it just took so long, but you know, it's, it's amazing how I was able to go in and, and audition and they gave me little, the casting director was telling me things like you, um, you can do this. So they were giving me hints. Like they weren't saying like, thank you. Bye. Right. They were saying, why don't you take this with you and then go work on it. And then maybe I'll see you again next year. It was essentially like that. Sure. And most people, a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, that's, they're just whatever. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to believe you because <laughs> I was young enough at the time that you know, I, I was a little naive. But at, at the same time, I, I did think that he was trying to help me um, oh. you know, casting people. And they're trying sure. to because ultimately you can't think of casting people as your enemy. They, they are trying to, to help you book the role most of the time. Right. Exactly. They, they want you to be the person when you go in the room to, to, so that makes their job so much easier. Um, when you, mm -hmm. when you can nail it anyway. So I go in and I get cut, I go in again and, um, I get cut, but he's like, you know, you're, you're on the verge. I essentially had to grow into the role as I, as I aged and I had a little bit more life experience. I, um, put on a little bit of muscle cause I had just finished Mama <laughs> Mia. I walked uh -huh. up for Mama Mia national tour. So I played sky in that one amazing yeah. and so you know by the time i actually got cast i was a completely different person essentially from when i was in college sure and and by then that's when everything started to click and fall into place and um you know that's 
when I went in and I went, I had a call back and I danced, but then, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we love dance calls. Thing, but yeah. But then, <laughs> but then, you know, I got to the end and, and everything just kind of fell into place. I, I felt really like, you know, connected to what I was doing and, and the result was, um, yeah, they bought it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Bought hey, it. I mean, it worked out, right? That's all that matters. Yeah. But it's so interesting. Like, it's so unique, but also like it's so relatable just to like continue to audition for the same show for so yeah. many years, you know, like, do you, like a lot of people would be like, ah, yeah, move on to the next thing. But exactly. I just felt like I, I felt like there was there was this chance. I felt like I had a chance. Like I, I knew mm. that I was getting better each time incrementally. And so and I and I was becoming more and more familiar with with the material and, and relating to the character more and more as I grew as a person. So, um, that's amazing. I, I had a sense that if I just kept going, that it would work out and lo and behold, it did. I was lucky. So, so in your docu concert, right in the behind the curtain, yeah, you mentioned that like the music director had approached you. Yes. Yes. Do you think that like he, like by him approaching you to like originally audition for it, do you think that like, also had an influence on why you kept going? Um, well, it definitely influenced me to first go in, in the first place because right. at the time I, I, I wasn't even on my radar as well, actually, you know, I was so green. I was non-union and I was like, yeah, I, I don't even know how people get auditions. Right. <laughs> and, and the fact that this guy, you know, the music director of the Lion King approached me after one of my college productions and said, um, you should come in. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, and that that's kind of what set me on that that path and it made me feel like it was something that was possible so in that sense he gave me confidence and 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 planted that kernel of faith right that this is something that could work out for me wow that's so cool yeah and then of course you know you work with Disney on Broadway, and then of course you work with Disney on Broadway again in Aladdin, which, by the way, love the genie lamp behind you. Uh, it's a beautiful touch. <laughs> so you were in Aladdin for seven years. You were involved in that process. Yes. Um, what was like the biggest like change? I guess so. I mean, you're with a character for so long, and you're able to find out these new things in several different productions around the world in Toronto and in Seattle and on Broadway and on tour and everything like that. How do you think your relationship with Aladdin shifted? I think it definitely shifted once my kids were born. Um, I'm oh. a father of twin seven-year-old seven boys now, oh my God. <laughs> but they were born first day of rehearsal oh my God. for Aladdin on Broadway. Oh my God. Yeah. So, you know, from out of town tryout in Seattle to out of town tryout in Toronto to then opening the show as a father, like that, that was a mm. huge for me just mentally in terms of, you know, where I was coming from and, uh, right. And singing proud of your boy, for example, like, you know, that as a, as a parent, as a parent singing that song, it's completely different from when yeah. you're young kid for, for example. Right. So, wow. um, the show, you know, I felt like I, I discovered and I feel like the show really got better as, as the longer I was in it, which is weird because most of the time actors feel like, you know, they're losing it. The, it's becoming lackluster and, and, uh, you know, it's becoming stale 
but I felt like I was able to find mm -hmm. discoveries and, and, um, I don't know. It just was interesting to me. And, and I, I don't know if that's just how I've operated in general, but I do feel like most of the time, the longer I'm with the role, the more nuance I could add to it, the more, you know, I can find things, the longer I'm with the material and, um, totally. Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. And I love too what you said, like in the in behind the curtain, you mentioned that like, you know, when you're with a piece for so long, you you find ways to keep it fresh and you play with like the words and the lyrics and everything like that. And it's so interesting because the other day I was just having this conversation about how I like even on opening night, I don't think like my friend and I, I don't think we've ever done a show that has actually stayed true to the entire script and lyrics, you know, like, like ever. <laughs> so it's so like yeah. relatable from an actor's perspective. Right, right. Don't tell the writers this, but the script <laughs> is just a guideline, right? Yeah. And it's so fun too, like, because, you know, I was like, when you're a child actor, you know, you have to you can't perform all eight shows a week. So you have multiple rotations of kids going into a show and it's like completely different. And like those shows, when you have those other kids, they're totally saying different lines and it totally keeps you on your toes. It's awesome. Um, so I was like, when you said yeah. that, I was like, yes, I know exactly what he's talking about. That's so, you know, true. whenever a new genie would come on as Aladdin, Oh yeah. You know, they gave that role some artistic freedom so that whenever he came in, he could throw in some new jokes, you know, for example. And oh, wow. Always kept it fresh for me. So I was always excited when you had an understudy. And, and as James, you know, who won the, won the Tony for the role, James Iglehart, right? Uh, he would be playing around and doing different things from show to show as well. So it never felt stale to me that, that being in that show was fun every single time oh my god that's incredible plus all like the magic and everything i mean the set is just insane i mean i'm sure there's definitely details that are different from show to show that the audience don't even realize you know so i'm sure that also helps in keeping it fresh but let's talk about proud of your boy you mentioned it it was a cut song from the movie and now they were able to debut it on broadway so like first of all what was it like to like debut that song as part of the Aladdin story? Well, I was so grateful that they brought that song to the musical, not only because I love, I love that song, but um, you know, I worked with Alan Menken mm -hmm. with this production and he kind of confided in me how much Howard Ashman really loved that song. And um, oh wow, two of them, you know, they, they fought really hard to keep that song in, in the film, but because of time constraints, they had to, they had to cut it and they were really, really sad about it. So when we brought it back for the musical and Alan heard me sing it and perform it, you know, he came up to me and he said, Howard Ashman, I'm sure is just in heaven right now, you know, literally <laughs> right. because of, um, you know, you, performing the song so well and doing, doing it justice essentially. And I was so touched yeah. by his praise and, and I'm just happy to, you know, to, to do it justice and, and to honor him in that way. Right. Um, because it, it is, it's just a beautifully written song and they did a, a phenomenal job. And, and I'm, and I'm, again, I'm just so glad that Disney theatricals and Casey Nicola and everybody decided, yeah, we have to have this song 
in the Broadway production. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's so beautiful, like, for so many reasons, because it's also, too, like, everyone listening to the song can relate to it. Like, everyone is a child, you know? Like, everyone, whether you're singing to a, your parents may have, are no longer here, but, like, that even increases the meaning of the song. Like, you know, like, it's so just beautiful like the story and everything in that song was there ever like a version of the musical that didn't have it or like like did they always have it yeah well i mean well in in our production they always mm -hmm. had it um okay. but you think of previous it, for example in the theme park production they didn't they didn't have it then um, gotcha. so this was the first time that they brought it back you know and for I mean, real awesome. and integrated it the story yeah yeah and you know the the film was action adventure based and ours mm -hmm. was more musical comedy based so right. it had a different had a different tone and and it harkened back to the original vision of aladdin which is that's kind of how they wrote the show um mm -hmm. when, when they first put it together so the fact that we were able to to do that as well and create the genie as this kind of cab calloway figure you know again um was right was, it just was, you know, how it was supposed to be done originally. And, and yeah, it's, it's amazing. For sure. Wow. That's, that's so cool. I, I, I love the whole, I love the process of like just getting a show to Broadway and just seeing like cut songs and how they add it back in and everything like that. So th thank you. Like, I don't know, just, I couldn't imagine just the feeling of like Alan Menken coming up to you and just being like, you know, Howard Ashman is like, so like happy right now that's so cool yeah. so yeah. so let's talk about behind the curtain because we're talking about songs and i watched it and i the whole time i was just like how like every time you went into a new song i literally said to myself like how because and i'm gonna tell you like not only were all of these songs like the best musical theater songs ever but they were also like so perfect for you and your story how did you like come up with that set list and how did you like manage to you know put it in the order that it was in to make it flow the way it did oh well thank you um well yeah. i i loved all the songs that were in there and and i think i i approached it first from the story you know and how because okay. i i wanted to be able to hear my life and then i thought now what songs will fit what I'm talking about. So it was mm -hmm. mostly from that perspective. But then every once in a while, you'll have a song like Why God from Miss Saigon. And I'm like, I want to be able to fit this into my story. So sometimes I would take a song and fit it in. But other time, most of the time, I would have the story and fit the songs in that way. You know, it's it's wow. like when you write a musical, do you write the songs? Do you write the lyrics and the, and the music first? Or do you write the story first? It's the same idea. It's like, when you're creating something, you don't necessarily have to pick one way or the other. It could be a mishmash. And that's kind of was a, a messy creative process to create this mm. thing. But I was very happy in the way it turned out. It, it definitely felt like it had a flow. And, totally. I, and I'm very glad that you that you enjoyed the the, the, the songs we chose. Oh, my God. It, they were like, oh, like every time I was just like, oh, my God, I could listen to him sing 24-7, but also like bringing me to tears because you're like totally giving us the background and what you're using as an actor to tell this story of the song. Like, it's just like, yeah. it's, it's just so moving. Um, and it was just so beautifully well done too. Like, you know, sometimes, and, and this is a, a question that I want to ask too, like 
with when you do a live performance yeah. and you're doing it with a bunch of cameras, you like you're not sure how it's going to turn out and if it's going to be distracting and everything like that. But there was never a time where I was like, I'm watching this through a bunch of different cameras that keeps like giving me new angles and everything like that. I was like, no, I'm totally watching this live at, at Feinstein's. It felt right, and I think they really did a good job of capturing the rawness and the live mm -hmm. aspect. Um, you know, not. It's not like a lot of the these concerts that you can see now that are just huge production value, lights and everything. This felt more, you know, what we did was very intimate and real. And it was the very first time I had performed all of these songs in their entirety for an audience. Oh, no way. Yeah, that was the first time. And they and oh, they recorded Oh, my God. So that that really, you can see everything that happened on that film was was new, was, was the first time. So Wow. Uh, and we kept and I think they captured it really well. You know, they had like five cameras with the GoPro. Yeah. And, you know, that was a testament that, that I have to credit my producer, Bruce Reisman, for for uh, doing all that and, and capturing it so well. Yeah. I mean, the way it opened up with you singing on Broadway, but like also like you were going through the audience and like the camera was walking or moving yeah. with you. Like yeah, yeah. it was just like so cool. I was like, <laughs> I'm sitting front row right now. Not a big deal. Wherever he moves, I'm front row. <laughs> So, so I have to ask, like, this is your first time doing it. You're, you're surrounded by a bunch of cameras and everything like that. And I don't know, like if whenever I do like cabarets and like one night performances or whatever, I'm more nervous for those than like doing an actual show. Like, what was that like for you? How were you preparing for this? And like, how, like just knowing that like, this is your first time and it's going to be seen by literally almost anybody yeah. who wants to see it. Yeah. I mean, I had to kind of throw out of my mind or or take take out of my mind the idea that this is going to be a perfect show. Like you, you know what I mean. Like you put a lot of pressure on yourself. It's like right. no, I'm going to do what I know how to do, and I'm going to get up and and perform my stuff and not put pressure on myself to be perfect or or to change yeah. myself in that way for the cameras. The cameras just happen to be there, and they're going to pick up what's you know a live performance, and and I'm going to talk from my heart. I'm going to mm -hmm. you know tell people about my life and, and my experiences and, and funny things and sad things. And, and, you know, and it, I'm really sharing it for the people in that room. Right. And then the camera right. is just a, a, a bystander and they, and they pick up on, and then we, of course, my producer had the great idea of throwing in some interviews, you know, some, some little, yeah. some little things to splice it, splice it and spice it. <laughs> make it more interesting and um i think that was a good decision as well well yeah and i wanted to ask that because you're also like telling the story right and like as you're talking i don't know if this was able to also be there um at the live performance like on a screen behind you or something but as you're telling these stories you know like you're seeing a slideshow of photos of like your family and you as a younger yeah. kid and everything like that. Like, was that like kind of your idea and like you saying that you wanted that to be put in or was that like kind of like a collaborative thing? It was How a collaborative thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, it was a collaborative thing. We wanted to figure out ways to make it as personal as possible. And mm -hmm. obviously throwing in images of my family and, and, you know, I talk a lot about my grandfather who came over from the yeah. Philippines, like, you know, all that stuff just, helps inform the audience, um, you know, about me and where I come from. And, and, and then also throwing in those little small interviews, which we did on the day, you know, a lot of those interviews in the space. <laughs> oh and uh, yeah, you know, we just kind of, you know, just created and tried to capture as much as we could essentially. And, um, 
And I think what came out was pretty cool. I think at the end, you know, the second half of the concert, I think people will be surprised to see some of the rock and pop stuff that they maybe don't really associate with me. You know, the Disney Prince, uh, you know, rocking out to <laughs> yeah. the Journey. You know, so I think I think some people will be fun. It'll be fun for some of the fans out there to see another side of me. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Yeah, totally, totally. And you totally like the way that you were saying, like, just, I don't know, just making it personable, like, and like, just so real and like true to who you are. It, it totally, um, you could totally see it and it, you totally like connected with it even more. And it's like even more enjoyable because it has that aspect of it. Um, but I also, I wanted to ask too. So you mentioned like <laughs> you, you, the second half of the scene is more rock and pop and stuff like that, but you also ended it with one of my favorite songs ever bad habit by ben platt and like i just wanted yeah. to ask like so i mean it's literally you don't have many non-musical theater songs in it but like this was one of the like rock yeah. pop songs so like what was that decision like i i love ben platt i just love yes. his work and you know i just wanted to to like do something of his and um, it did this, that song just spoke to me. It just like, it was one of those songs that got stuck in my head and yeah. I kind of ended up singing it a lot in, in the shower and at home. And I'm like, you know what? I think I want to perform this and, and, you know, we'll figure out a way to, to make it work. And, um, yeah, and we, we did it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. So that's kind of what you, you answered my question because I was wondering, like, it was just you put it in so beautifully and I was wondering if it was one of those things that just was like organically that happened that you were like this is perfect for that or if you just wanted to like sing it really bad like kind of like what you mentioned before yeah it was, it was kind of both you know I, I was thinking of you know the storyline and and I was thinking of Ben Platt songs you know I was thinking yeah. of everything and <laughs> kind of just you're like creating this puzzle essentially and you're you're taking different pieces and 
and you don't know what the picture is going to be when you put it together. You know, that's right. kind of how it is. Yeah. And I love it too, because <laughs> it all like relates to, you know, your relationship with like your family and everything, your wife and your kids and everything like that. Um, you, you talk a lot about that actually. And you also talked about like, you know, your background, you have such a unique background, like how has your background and like your heritage kind of influenced how your career has turned out? Yeah, I, it's definitely had a huge impact. Being of mixed ethnicity mm -hmm. um, has been, you know, it's been, it was tough in the beginning because I didn't know where I fit in. And then as my career progressed, I found it to be something very positive and I was able to play a lot of different kinds of roles. And so it's, it was, it, I say in the, in the film, it's like a double-edged sword in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely true because early on, I had a lot of identity issues growing up. I didn't know, you know, what, who I wanted to be, who I, who I, how people saw me, if they, if they saw me at all, you know, yeah, like I felt like just not really Asian, not really part of this Filipino community, not part of that, you know, so it was, it was tough. It was tough figuring out, um, having any confidence in, in who you were and, 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 you know, and what do I have to bring to the world and to the table? And, and it takes time as a, as a, as a, a young adult to kind of come into that and, and own that and realize what you can share, what, what you can bring. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I talk about that in the film and then, um, and then I, you know, move on to say how it's, it really has been, um, a, a plus, you know, I kind of rode that wave of, of the non-traditional casting with Les Mis and, uh, yeah. as it was starting to crest and it, and it's still, it's still working, you know, it, we're still working hard to include more absolutely and, and diversity and, um, and, uh, that, that wave is getting bigger, but I, I kind of hopped on it as it was just starting to form. So, um, you know, I, I feel lucky that I'm able to surf, keep, continue to surf it. I think in a lot of ways, you kind of influenced it in a way, and you kind of just yeah, helped it say, rise even more. Can, there can make an argument for that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, listen, I mean, the docu-concert is beautiful. It's behind the curtain. Go check it out. Where are people able to see this? Yeah, it's going to be coming out in the next few days on iTunes. And so on you, iTunes. Yeah, you can rent it there. And um, I'll be, you know, posting on my social media. You can follow me on Instagram, Adam Jacobs NYC, and I'll be posting it all over. And, and hopefully, you, you know, you'll feel like you want to check it out and, and learn a little bit more about me and hopefully enjoy it at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, listen, there's so many like amazing kind of just tips that you give subtly you know there's a lot of things to be learned during the whole uh process of it you'll learn all about the industry he really does a great job of really giving you guys an inside look of what it's like behind the curtain um which was i guess the goal <laughs> um so it was beautifully done I, you know, we also talked a lot about the um the showman's aspect you know we didn't yes. really talk about that so much but uh, you know wrote um relationships in our industry is always a hot topic and yes. so I, I like to talk about that in the, as well yeah I, I mean there's just so many great things and just to just to hear like other people's journeys through the industry just teaches you a lot and um adams is no different um and it's a really unique journey too that a lot of people can learn from so definitely go check it out on itunes within the next couple of days 
keep an eye out on his Instagram because he'll tell you when it's released and everything like that. And you can stay up on all things Adam Jacobs as well. So like anytime he has a new project or anything, you'll know on his social media. So before before we uh, end it, I also wanted to just ask you about this new project that you're working on that's currently in post-production called Last Call in the Dog House. Mm-hmm. So is, is this your first movie that you did? It is my first having a, a lead role in a feature. Yeah, it is. Oh, wow. I've done some guest starring like on Chicago Med and some television episodic stuff, but but this is the first time I've really delved into like a, a character and, you know, with some meaty scenes and, you know, just like, it's a, it's a great story. I'll just like quickly summarize. Um, yeah. I, play, I play a character named Mo. He's um, in short for Moses. He's a rabbi. He's a young rabbi and he's adopted by a, um, a biblical family. I'll say they're omniscient and they own a bar in New York city and at last call, somebody randomly comes in and we help them. We essentially kind of save their souls. It's kind of like touched by an angel, if you've seen that with Michael Landon. Or, and, and it's a little bit of that mixed with a little bit of kind of Twilight Zone supernatural stuff that happens. So, oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. When I read that script, I was really, I thought, what a brilliant idea. And um, I really wanted to, to take a crack at it. And I was fortunate enough to be part of it. And it's with uh, David Chokichi, Aaron Force, like some really great, um, some people. And so that's going to be coming out very soon as well. Yay. That's so (laughs) exciting. And literally this trailer is actually out on YouTube and I watched the trailer and I was like, I need the movie. (laughs) Okay. It it was like, so cool. And like you said, like just a brilliant idea that's like definitely something totally new and a new spin on like so many things but also like (laughs) i wanted to ask like obviously you know you've done a lot of tv and film and you've done a lot of broadway like what do you think was the major difference in you know having your first feature film in or first major like role in a feature film um how is that kind of different than what you've done before um you know it was a chance for me to really explore a character in a way that i never have before right because mm-hmm. film and tv at theater that's so such different mediums um right. you know you have an audience and you're getting feedback live with with an audience but with with a film with the camera you don't have that luxury so right you you know, you're creating into this, into this ether and you don't know if, if what you're doing is going to be perceived the way you want. And, you know, you're relying on an editor a lot of the time. So I don't know, it, it was just a different way to flex my acting muscles and see what I'm, you know, if I, if it's something that is going to be, you know, uh, an avenue for me to express myself and to be an artist in a new way. And it was, I was excited. I mean, I am excited to continue to explore that. You know, absolutely. And, yeah. And I want to, I never want to feel like I'm just resting on my laurels or just, you know, coasting. I want right. to to kind of work and, and, you know, stretch my myself and see what I'm capable of. For sure. And would you like, so are you now like hoping to go more in the, the film and TV route or just whatever presents itself? I still want to explore it more. I mean, I will always love the theater first. Yeah. Music and theater, like those are things that are so close to my heart and so much built into who I am, just, you know, so much a part of me. And mm-hmm. 
at the same time, like I want to see what this film and TV world has to offer. And so I'm going to go out there, give it a hundred percent and, and see if it's something that, um, that I can, you know, find some kind of uh, expression in good for you i mean i have no doubt the talent is just unmatchable it's so it's so incredible i love watching you perform in any manner and you mentioned this is the last thing i want to ask you before we wrap it up but um you mentioned in behind the curtain so many beautiful things as i mentioned before but you mentioned this transition from being like such a so, so well known for the theater and you want to like transition into like film and like I just want to hear your perspective on like why actors and performers and whoever like at the end of the day we're all storytellers you know I just want to hear your perspective on why yeah. there's maybe this divide of the theater and film yeah I mean I think what you said is is absolutely right in that whether you are performing on a stage or behind a camera, we are all storytellers. As, as actors, we are trying to tell the story in a clear and effective way. And mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, there's obviously so many differences, but um, there doesn't have to be such a divide. I think, I mean, there's the business aspect of it is what creates that sort of uh-huh. divide and people's perspective of it and just the fact that tv and film is so much more widespread than right theater and the live experience of the theaters is um you know something that's here and gone it's not recorded you know in our industry in the theater so much of our work is is ephemeral you know it's here and it's gone and it's and that's it um but when you do tv and film it's recorded and people can re-watch it and and you know and you can gain different things from rewatching it and, and see different things. I mean to say, so uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think part of the thing that drew me to the TV and film world is the fact that, yeah, you have a record of your work. You know? Yeah. I was getting totally. kind of annoyed with the fact that I've, I've had a great career, except if you were born, you know, like people won't know about it really. Yeah. You know? I mean, they, they won't really have evidence of it unless, uh, they have built a time machine and they can go back and watch the shows that way. But, you know, so I was like, well, you know, why don't I see what this is about? And, and I'm going to try to do my best. It's, it's a different style, you know, different medium, as you know. And um, so it's, it's really cool. I I wanted, like I said, I wanted to challenge myself and, and see, you know, what I could do and, and hopefully people will like it. Totally. Hey, do you think that your your kids are like their favorite like movie is Aladdin now? <laughs> <laughs> Not right now, you know. No? They're totally like Pokemon and oh uh, great <laughs> zombies, you know. Like they're they're seven, so but sure. you know it's funny. it's funny. They when I was doing Aladdin, they would see the cartoon version of Aladdin and the animated, and he'd be like, they'd say, "Oh, that's Daddy," you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> so cute. They were a little confused. They were a little confused, but uh, it was fine. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Adam, I I can't thank you enough. Thank you for coming on. This was a blast. Everyone, keep an eye out on his social media at Adam Jacobs NYC. And uh, look out for Last Call in the Doghouse and Behind the Curtain with Adam Jacobs because they're going to be incredible. Um, I saw the Behind the Curtain. It is incredible. So go check it out. 
it's going to be available super soon. Uh, go follow him. And Adam, thank you for doing this. Thanks so much. Proud of Adam. I'll make you proud of Adam. Right? I mean, come on. Take a bow, Adam Jacobs. That was awesome. Okay. Um, his story is so unique. I loved everything that he said about uh, just his heritage and kind of finding who he was. You know, he's this Filipino with Russian and Polish and half Catholic, half Jewish, like all of these vastly different areas that he and his family came from. And he's just kind of figuring out who he was at such a young age and had to find that out first before he was able to become successful in the business. Um, and I thought that was incredible. And just hearing what he said as far as, you know, riding the wave of diversity in the industry and everything like that was so beautifully put. I literally, it was a, it was a blast talking to him. I loved his stories about Aladdin. I mean, being with a role for seven years is no joke. You really have to love a character and love a show and a production and a story um to do it that long and just his story with lion king about how he auditioned for eight years it took him eight years to finally get the role um out of simba in lion king and that just goes to show like everything that has kind of been said in the past 48 episodes of kind of just like you know not giving up and just staying to true to who you are and it'll work out eventually like just it's all timing and it's all a little bit of luck it's all about keeping true to who you are and continuing to practice and play with who you are and your gift it it was awesome and behind the curtain i can't say this enough i was able to watch behind the curtain with adam jacobs they sent me access to it, and it was just absolutely gorgeous. It was like watching a full one-act musical. It was like watching Fun Home of Adam Jacobs. I don't know. Not actually Fun Home because the story is completely irrelevant to Adam Jacobs, but I'm saying like a one-act musical. It's kind of rare. And literally, I mentioned it in the interview. You're literally front row at his concert at this one-act musical it's awesome he literally paints a perfect picture of his life and incorporating all of our favorite show tunes in it at the same time as well as our favorite like pop and, and rock songs like we mentioned ben platt there's journey there's everything and he there's this one part where i'm still kicking myself okay i interviewed him a couple days ago and i'm still kicking myself because i completely like missed the question on my list and saw it as soon as i like hung up with him but he sang this beautiful beautiful disney medley and it had aladdin hercules and it was perfect for him it perfectly like stayed true to his story still um just to see how they all flowed together was beautiful um and i really wanted to ask you know like if he wrote that if he like figured out the medley himself or if it was written already or written for him um, I don't know. I, I could have talked to him about that all day because he I literally just stared at my TV while I was watching that. I was like, I love every second of this. <laughs> it was also just like seeing him sing an Aladdin song again was just everything that you want, you know? I mean, Alan Menken himself like came up to him and was like talking about how beautifully he sang aladdin and proud of your boy like what that just goes to show you what a talent adam jacobs has and uh it's 
and he has an even better story. So please go check out Behind the Curtain. It's available for pre-order on iTunes right now. Um, and check out Adam Jacobs at NYC because he has a brand new film coming out, which is his first like feature film, uh, lead role in a feature film. And um, I'm so excited for it. And he'll post about that and when you, it's available and where it's available, uh, all when the time is time is ready. Um, so with that being said, let's turn it over to the Triple E segment. I don't know. Oh my goodness. Y'all are going to like come at me so hard. This is like totally like fake. Like it's not even like anything serious. So Triple E segment is going to be Eli's experience of showman's. And it was one of my first ever professional productions that I was involved in that had other girls involved. And, you know, there's um, one show, This my child Wrangler, who is actually my manager now, knew I had like this biggest crush on this one girl. And um, he pulled me aside and was like, you know, like, I'm gonna warn you, like, she's like three years older than you. And this thing called showmances are never good ideas. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I can handle it. I'm fine. I talk to all kinds of girls, whatever. Um, I was like, no, I got this. And um, he was like, no 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 like I don't think you understand like I don't know if she's interested in you and like kind of was like dropping hints you know and I I was just like no like it's not it and I was like and what are you talking about like why do you keep saying like a showman and he was like oh you know like it's this thing that is like it's this term that we use in the industry where you probably shouldn't have a relationship with a girl that you're in the same show with especially at such a young age and I was like, mm, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I understand where you're coming from. And it turns out, like, all of the guys in the show were, like, had a crush on her. And, like, they were all older than me. I was the youngest. So I clearly had no chance. And, like, the older guys definitely had a better chance. Um, so he was kind of, like, like, letting me down easy for her and also, like, educating me. And um, ever since then... I've always been like, oh my God, you can't be in a showman's. That's not okay. And like, it's just like so silly. I don't know. Like whenever you have that experience, you know, you just kind of, you kind of carry that along with you in, in a way. And um, I've always just like loved when like teasing people when they have a showman's and I'm like, ooh, where's your boyfriend? Where's your girlfriend? Like, where's where's your significant other? Where's your partner? Uh, all of these, like, fun things that, like, we all like to poke fun at each other. And, like, I, that's definitely something that I've carried along with me. So when Adam Jacobs was telling me about his showman's, at first I was like, uh-oh, this didn't end good. And then he was like, and then she became my wife. And I was like, Oh, see, that's what I want. That is adorable. Um, I'm so glad that it worked out for him and his wife and his two kids. Oh my God, he has two twins. They're adorable. Um, they're awesome. I, <laughs> I love that they were Pokemon fans and they were kind of confused about Daddy not being the cartoon Aladdin, uh, <laughs> um, and all of these things. So, um, it was just it was a lot of fun. This episode is 
full of fun and amazing memories. Um, sorry to talk about my showman's rant, but I, I thought it was a fun rant. Uh, and that was kind of my first like ever experiences with like a girl in my, in a professional show with me. I was like, Ooh, like, Oh, I, I don't know who you are, but like, you're really pretty. And like, you know, like all of these like silly things, but, um, I, I will say we've never dated, but we are friends now, so it's all good. <laughs> but yeah, that's this week's uh, episode of Take a Bow. Uh, next week is 49, and then the following is 50, 50 episode, and that is going to be our one-year anniversary. And that guest, oh my God, y'all better watch out. Y'all better be prepared for a few days because it's going to be amazing, and I know you all will enjoy it. So um Stay tuned. I'll see you all next week. Join me in Columbus Circle if you're able to, to today, basically, um, at 1 p.m. It starts for March on Broadway. And uh, I can't wait to see you all next week and see what happens uh, within, the, within the next seven days because, as we all know, a lot can happen. So thank you, Adam Jacobs, for coming on, and we'll see you all next week. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash TAB. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on. Also, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at TakeAboutPodcast. TakeAbout's logo is designed by Giselle Bustos, and the music is by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon. Bye, everyone. Hope to see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.